I'm excited to preach uh, God's Word today. It is a massive privilege, uh, definitely, to minister the Word of God to you and your homes, to you and your families. And, uh, you know, I believe God would want to encourage us today. So if you have your Bibles, uh, open them up with me today. Uh, Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11, verses 4 through to 6. Uh, I want to preach a message called, A Little Taste of Egypt. Just a little taste of Egypt. And I want to consider uh, the topic or the theme, overcoming a backsliding spirit. And Numbers chapter 11, verses 4 through to 6. As you're turning there, you know, there's a professional baseball player. His name is Josh Hamilton. And this guy, his career started off quite well. Uh, He was, uh, you know what, promised uh, great fame and fortune. Everything was going well until things quickly began to spiral out of control. Things started going downhill. It started, you know, everything starts small. A small social gathering, a bit of drinking, a bit of alcohol. And then it led up to this point in his life that he was actually addicted to it. It ruined his career ruined his reputation Uh, he got addicted to drugs and alcohol it caused him to be suspended uh, in the baseball league for three years get this right he was suspended for three years but then things seemed to turn around this is around the 2007 mark he won three uh, silver awards uh, in this particular field he was a five times all-star he won multiple awards in 2008 in 2010 He was the American League Most Valuable Player. Won a few other awards in there, but uh, the reason, listen very carefully, the reason for his success was because he gave his life to Jesus. The reason for his turn, this, uh, this positive outlook on his life was because he decided to give his life to Jesus Christ. But the reality here today, and this is what I'm going to touch on, is this particular person, Josh Hamilton, he backslid, right? He uh, went back into the things that he was freed from, he was delivered from. He went back to these drugs and alcohol. And, and uh, you know what? He was honest enough. He realized his sin, his error. He repented of his lifestyle. He'd done a 180, returned back to, back to Christ. And he said in an interview, they asked him a question. He said in an interview, he said, I got away from the one thing that kept me on the straight and narrow. And that was my relationship with the Lord that should always come first. Amen. And so here is a man that, you know what, uh, promised career, everything was going well, but then through life, uh, uh, he began to be addicted to drugs and alcohol. He got saved and then he backslid. And I want to read a story in the Bible, and I believe it's so true, and we can find help and hope for our lives uh, in overcoming a backsliding spirit. Listen to Numbers 11, verses 4 through to 6. And it says this. Now the multitude, mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? They say, we remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. You smell their breath right now as they're talking. Verse 6, but now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before us. I want you to get that today because I want to give a bit of a background, a bit of a context behind this text. Uh, they, this, you know, Bible scholars say that the people of Israel were in slavery for 430 
years. I mean, you think about that, it's kind of like, wow, that is, a, that is a long time. I mean, you think about generation after generation, children growing up in the, this particular little household, no hope, no future. Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? Ah, oh, yeah, maybe a bit want to be a good slave. You know, they had nothing to look forward to. It was, this was their way of life. They were slaves. This was normal for them. But then God sends a man named Moses. Moses is the deliverer of the people of Israel. And God speaks to Moses, go down to Egypt, deliver my people. I hear their cries. Moses goes down and he begins to go to the Pharaoh and says, hey, let my people go. And the Pharaoh in his hardness of heart says, no, I'm not letting them go. And and God says to Moses, all right, what I'm going to do, I'm going to send some plagues. I'm going to send the plagues to inflict Egypt. And I want you to see this. The people of Israel, God's people, they witness miracle after miracle. They see the plagues that inflicted the Egyptian people in their way of life. And on top of that, they experienced the greatest miracle, which was from slavery to freedom. They had crossed the Red Sea, an incredible story, powerful story of redemption, a story of defeat. A story of victory over their enemies. And as they stand on the shore, on the other side, can you imagine, right? After they cross through the Red Sea and they cross to the other side and the waters begin to cover their past. The waters begin to cover their enemies. I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I'm thinking, whoa, what, what an amazing scene. Behind them was Egypt. Behind them was the chains. Behind them was the bondage. And in front of them, as they turn, in front of them, the potential, unlimited, the dreams. Now the children would grow up with a future and a hope. Beautiful, beautiful scene. They're singing. They're excited. They're happy. They're, you know what? Yes, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And then we get to this little junction, this intersection right here in our text. That they're describing how they miss Egypt. And I believe it's so critical to identify ourselves in this story and, and figure out, you know, how are we going to adjust to this new way of life? I don't know how, who am I speaking to today, but you know what? It's, it's one thing getting saved. God delivers you, but it's another thing living a new life. And most of the times when we're living this new life, we can, we can definitely think about the past. We can think about Egypt. Oh, man, I remember those times. And in the text right here, Remember this, the Old Testament picture comes a New Testament principle. So the Old Testament, Moses, did, you know what? He's the deliverer. He delivers the people of Israel out of slavery. And the New Testament principle is Jesus is our deliverer. Hallelujah. He takes us out of the world. He takes us out of Egypt. This is the typology of the world. Out of slavery, which is a picture of our sins and those that ruled us and had us bound. And get this, uh, the people of Israel in the Old Testament walked through the Red Sea. What an amazing, awesome parallel to the New Testament principle that the Red Sea being the red blood of Jesus Christ. Washing away our sins, washing away the past, washing away everything that we were once uh, identified ourselves as. And listen, he gives us victory over the enemy. That's powerful. And so here we are in our text. Because Bible scholars say it's at this particular point in time. This is a 75 day mark, they say, on their journey to the promised land. And they're already thinking about going back to Egypt. Already thinking about going back to Egypt. 
I'm telling you, it's many times at this point in time where people begin to uh, realize, man, uh, they, they think about their past. They think about their, their old way of life. In our text, it tells us they yielded to intense craving and they wept again and again. And they said this, who will give us meat to eat? Verse 5, we remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions. Man, they're so descriptive. And let me translate that to our language today. And that is this. Oh, I remember those one night stands. Oh, I remember those pokey machines. Oh, I remember those nights where I got drunk. Oh, we remember the good old days. Come on, who's, who am I talking to this morning? You know, we can remember. We, we can replay these things in our mind. It's, it's HD. It's color. It's full on surround sound. We remember what happened in Egypt. All the good things in Egypt, but we forget about the chains. Oh, hello. We forget about the rulers that had us bound. But isn't it funny? The devil will show us the good things. I want to tell you what, just a little taste of Egypt can be detrimental to you. Just a little taste of Egypt, a little compromise, a little alcohol, a little pornography, a little of this and that, the old life. Uh, you can remember it and listen to this, uh, a little craving uh, begins to start off and now it's becoming intense. And the devil knows if he can get you to remember Egypt, if he can get you to remember the appetites of the world, he's got you hooked. It'll cause you to look back and turn around because a little taste of Egypt, listen, will cause you to abort God's plan for your life it'll destroy your marriage it'll destroy your calling it'll destroy your ministry just a taste of Egypt will cause you to quit just a taste of Egypt will cause you to give into your desires oh we remember Egypt they cry maybe you're listening today and you've you've experienced God's amazing grace just like the people of Israel wow hallelujah we went through the Red Sea man God washed away my sins we can testify of the the Lord that delivered us but we get to a point in our lives where we think about oh we think about Egypt sometimes life isn't going well sometimes life isn't going good oh we're stuck in our homes because of COVID-19 and it's like oh I remember Egypt Woo, come on now. Oh, I remember the feelings. Oh, the nightclub. You, you know, you're driving in your car and the song comes on. Oh, I remember I was grinding in that club. <laughs> oh, I remember, you know what, the, the times when I was hooking up. Hey, come on. The feelings of Egypt are so intense. The appetites of the world. So I want to give you some words of advice. Don't eat that. It'll ruin your appetite. If you open the door small enough, sin will push it open just a little taste of Egypt the Bible tells us in Genesis sin lies at the door and its desire is for you don't eat that it'll ruin your appetite I remember growing up in PNG my mom would be cooking I shared this story before cooking up in the kitchen and all of a sudden you know what us boys would smell it oh it smells so good and so we'd sneak in the kitchen trying to you know grab some potato chips grab some bread loaf of bread and start eating it and my mom would say to us kids don't eat that it will ruin your appetite I've said that so many times to my children hey kids get away from that don't eat that we're about to have dinner soon don't eat it it'll ruin your appetite and isn't that like life God has set a table, the finest meal provided to us, but yet we turn our gaze onto, onto the world. 
the things that tempt us to remember Egypt. God's got a table set, Jeremiah says, to give us a future and a hope, uh, the promise of God behind us as we begin walking in newness of life. But yet the devil wants to tempt us uh, with our fleshly desires and say, remember Egypt. Remember the onions, remember the leeks, the garlics, the melons, remember Egypt. When you eat from Egypt, you never experience God's plan for your life. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through to 3, NIV translation says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. Think about that for a minute, the sin that easily entangles us. I remember my first time I'm running the Bridge to Brisbane race. Man, I, I run this race and I, you know, I enjoy it. And so I remember my first race, I'm ready to go. I'm, you know what, I, I didn't do any training because I thought it would be easy. But man, I, I fool myself. I'm, I'm, I'm running up this hill. It used to be the Gateway Bridge and I'm running up the hill and no one's stopping. I'm, I'm thinking, come on guys, someone's got to stop. So I, <laughs> oh, please, someone stop so I can walk with you, you know. But no one else is stopping. So I'm just like, you know what, my pride is killing me. So I'm just running and I'm, I'm losing my breath. Then all of a sudden, you know, my, my shoelace start uh, coming undone and I didn't realize it and I tripped over. And I fell over and I'm just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> it's just bend over, tie your shoelace up. And then, you know what, I continue, I get up and you know, I try to run again, catch my breath, I run again. And so here in the Bible, it tells us, you know what, the sin that so easily entangles us. When we're running the race in life and things start to be undone. When you're running in life and certain things in your life to be undone, like prayer. Prayer comes undone. Reading the Word of God comes undone. All these things that you had in place that caused your life to run in a, in a way that, you know what, caused you to go forward. But all of a sudden, you leave things undone. Listen, you're going to find yourself tangled in sin. Jesus says, peace I give you, not like the world gives. Yet, how many times we settle for the counterfeit? Come on, say amen. You know, drugs, marijuana, sex, entertainment, all these things, the list is endless. Uh, and we can settle for the temporary things, the pleasures of life. And God's given us the purpose. Uh, God's given us a future and a plan. But yet, uh, the call of Egypt pulls us another way. If you're a new convert, you've listened you're a new convert. You got saved. This may be two weeks and right now or how long you've come. Listen, you've come so far. Don't give up now. Don't eat that. It'll ruin your appetite. Don't go back to Egypt. A word of warning for the seasoned saint. Don't eat that. It'll ruin your appetite. Think about Eve in the garden for a second. Man, if I could interrupt Eve, if I could just some way, somehow jump into the text in... Uh, Genesis would say, Eve, oh, Eve, get away, get away, Eve. You know, I can just see that he's like looking at it, it's like, I feel like, it. <laughs> Eve, come on, get away quickly. Don't eat that. It'll ruin your appetite. It'll ruin your destiny. And I can just imagine, you know what, uh, just everything that happened after that and the story, you know, we know it. Eve eats the fruit and the rest is history. Another one would be Samson. A Nazarite from birth, the Hebrew word Nazar means to be separated and consecrated. You know what? God's called us to be separated from the world. Can you say amen? God's called us to, be, to consecrate our lives wholly unto Him. God has placed great favor, strength upon Samson, and he finds himself in a relationship with a lady by the name of Delilah. 
And the Bible says she discovers his strength and he is captured by the enemy. But his defeat, listen very carefully, wasn't with Delilah. His defeat started with his appetite. He ate honey from a dead animal and his vow, nothing to eat and drink from something that's unclean. And one decision, listen to this, led to another. One decision led to another. One decision led him to his defeat. Samson, I feel like saying, Samson, don't eat that, my brother. It'll ruin your appetite. Come on, it'll ruin your, your uh, appetite. You know what? Once there was a conviction is now compromised. Listen, don't compromise your faith in God. Don't compromise yourself and think, oh, you know what? Just a little, yeah, just a little bit of this. Oh, I can handle it. No, don't, because one thing will lead to another. Another one is Esau. Esau in the story is about to sell his birthright for a bowl of stew. I remember reading this as a Christian. I'm thinking, uh, what's a birthright got to do? But birthright, it's got one, you know, it's a spiritual significance. It talks about an inherent blessing and favor upon the eldest. And so Esau is about to sell his birthright for a bowl of stew. I feel like saying, Esau, don't eat that. Esau, you're about to make a stupid decision. Okay, that was dry. That was dry. Yes, Dave got it. <laughs> Dave got that one. <laughs> That's a Dave joke. Hallelujah. <laughs> and you're listening this morning and the Holy Ghost is speaking to you right now. Don't eat that, bro. Don't eat that, my sister. Don't go back down the road to Egypt. Don't eat it because it'll ruin your appetite. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 17, Listen to the words of Jesus. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to eternal life. Hallelujah. And listen, and only few find it. Here in our text, the people of Israel are crying out. They remember Egypt. They long to go back to Egypt because of their appetite. Maybe you're here this morning, you're watching today, and you're thinking about backsliding, you're contemplating, you're compromising. Going back uh, to Egypt is a picture of the world. And I want to maybe bring this to light, because if you were to examine a backslider's heart, if you were to do an autopsy on a backslider's heart, this is what you will find, selfishness. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 14, the backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways. But a good man will be satisfied from above. Isn't that funny? You know what? The people of Israel are thinking about Egypt and the good thing coming from above, the manna from heaven, was that good thing. But yet the backslider in heart, filled with his own ways, filled with Egypt, wanting to satisfy this craving, wanting to go back. Galatians chapter 4 verse 9, But now after you have known God, or rather unknown by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You know, how many know it's so sad to see people who make good decisions in life. They, they start, you know what, making great decisions. But then they begin to go back and put back the chains from which they were freed. Proverbs chapter 26 verse 11, the New Living Translation says this, As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. The mass message translation says it this way. 
As a dog eats his own vomit, so fools recycle silliness. Have you ever seen a dog that eats his own vomit? It's disgusting. And I want to encourage you, you know what, a word of warning, don't go back to that disgusting habit. Cigarettes, alcohol, betel nut, oh man, come on. Uh, you know what, all these things in our lives that cause us to go back uh, to Egypt. The Bible says they yielded to intense craving and so this suggests something. It suggests an empty spiritual tank and a full fleshly tank. My question here today is this, which one have you been filling up the most? Because the one you feel the most will be the one that fuels you, how you act, how you respond, how you behave. Which tank are you filling? The spiritual tank or your flesh? Galatians 6 verse 7 through to 9. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will reap. For he who sows to his flesh, listen, will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of reap everlasting life. Verse 9 gives us this encouragement. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. You know what? God didn't create us to be robots. We weren't made that way. But God created us to have a free will, created us to have a flesh and spirit. And listen very carefully. The outcome of our choice is dependent on making the right choice. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16. You got to make the choice right here. Paul says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Verse 18 says, But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident and enlisted. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of, which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But verse 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, listen, let us also walk in the Spirit. You've got to make a choice. You've got to make a choice. Are you going to live in the Spirit or are you going to live in the flesh? I love Matthew Henry, a Bible commentator. He, he says this about this particular verse. And listen to what he writes. He says, even as in a natural man, there is something of the struggle, the convictions of his conscience and the corruption of his own heart strive with one another. Listen very carefully. His convictions would suppress his corruptions. And his corruptions silence his convictions. See, there's this wrestle between it. And he writes and he says, So in a renewed man where there is something of a good principle, there is a struggle between the old nature and the new nature, the remainders of sin and the beginnings of grace. And this Christians must expect will be their exercise as long as they continue in this world. So you know what? This is a reality. 
This is a real reality that we think, oh, we'll be saved. Hey, we got no struggles. You know what? God gives us access. You know what? There's not going to be any struggles with our flesh and desires. Listen, it's so important to understand where we sit in the Word of God because Paul says the, the flesh and the Spirit, they're at war with one another. And for us as Christians, this will be a, uh, a continued struggle. Jesus says, what did He say? The flesh is weak, but the Spirit is willing. Even Jesus identified this. And Paul says, listen, he says, I have not attained, not that I have arrived. So many times we like to have this mindset, oh, I wish I had just overcome this and I wish I could just, listen, it's a daily uh, living and daily choice to say, you know what, I'm going to learn to walk in the Spirit. Going back to the people of Israel, the first time they complained was actually one month after they left Egypt. Back in Genesis chapter 16, Verses uh, 16 says, They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. There too the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. And verse 3, If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us to death. You know what? It gives us the idea or the picture that when we go through this deliverance and we decide to give our lives to Christ, listen, there is going to be a battle between Egypt and the promise of God. Now, give you some sort of help because we want to overcome a spirit of backsliding. And, uh, I'm, you know, whenever I think of someone who started on their journey, I think about New Year resolutions and, and how quickly they get thrown out the window. I remember reading a book. Uh, it's called Sweat Equity. And it's a book written by, a, uh, I guess, a professional athlete. He's a professional trainer. And he writes these, uh, these things that cause these particular athletes, these even businessmen and women to succeed in their, in their life. And he says, he writes this and says, A study of clinical psychology shows that 44% of people give up on their resolutions before February with only 8% small percentage, 8% achieving their goals by year end. And he writes and he says, these 8% of these people have four pillars in their lives. And if you're making note, here they are. Number one, mindset. Number two, movement. Number three, nutrition. Number four, recovery. And I found that so interesting, these four pillars. And I want to uh, use that in a, in a spiritual sense to help us continue in our walk with God, continue, uh, begin to move forward in, our, in the plans that God has for us. So number one, mindset. Let's talk about renewing your mind daily with the Word of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know what? We need our minds to be transformed. Can you say amen? We need our minds to be renewed. Because when we get to a point and we feel like, oh, Egypt's cold, let God renew my mind. God begin to transform me. Uh, that's the first pillar. And secondly, movement. This uh, author writes and says, athletes train 90% of the time and perform 10% of the time. I read that and I was like, man, for the Christian, every day is game day. I wonder how many train, though, in God's gym. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, New Living Translation says, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, 
but only one gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. Verse 26, so I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I love that. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. The second pillar that we must have is one of movement, that we must be disciplined in our faith, that we must begin to run with purpose, disciplining our lives like an athlete. The third one is nutrition. What are you eating? Developing your character. Do you have a healthy diet of God's word? You know what? Forget about YouTube and, and trying to find all these little things. Listen, we need to go back to the book of books and digest the word of God. Because listen, in Psalms chapter 34 verse 8, David writes and says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. You know what, when the desires of Egypt begin to uh, call us in, listen, just a taste of Egypt will cause you to go back, but oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, taste and see that His love is able to uh, begin to saturate your weary soul. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, His forgiveness. Oh, taste and see that He is good, that His mercy endures forever. We must taste in His word. But do you desire the things of God? Is there a deep hunger for God? Uh, I love the story of the prodigal son found in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus gives a story, a parable with such profound truth. A young man, a young boy, he backslides, goes into the world. Uh, the root being selfishness that drove him away. And it tells us in a story he spent all that he had. And verse 17 is where I want to pick it up from. He says, he came to himself. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. What are, what are you doing with your life? You know what? We got to get to a point and realize when we're about to, or if we are in this position where we've just completely backslidden, we must get back to the point and think, what am I doing with my life? God offers more. God has so much bread. But yet we perish in the world with so much hunger. But what are you doing with your life? Will you run back to your father's house? Because this young man, he realized everything he needed was right there all along. And the people of Israel were longing for food in Egypt, not realizing what they needed was coming down from heaven. All along, manna from the father's house. And so the prodigal is empty from the world and wants to be filled with the bread from the Father's house. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. For righteousness, listen, for they shall be filled. Hallelujah. You know what? Uh, that should encourage us that we should continue to hunger for the things of God. That we should continue to hunger for Christ uh, and His righteousness. Because uh, when you go hungry, don't go to the world. Come to the Father's house. Come on. Come to Jesus and He will fill you up. The fourth pillar, and I close, is recovery. In the sporting fields, professional athletes must, they must rest to recover. And this writer, he writes and says, rest is the best recovery 
method. I mean, these guys that performed every single day. I mean, NBA players, they got games on every single day, back-to-back games. And, and, and LeBron James and some of the guys in the NBA say, you know what, this is a time that they begin to recover. They begin to have their rest because if not, the writer says, athletes to perform at their best, they have to rest. If they don't have that time to rest in the long run, this can cause a long-term injury. Rest allows you to think and reprioritize what is important. And isn't it funny that God created a day of rest, a day of rest, use it wisely, take some time out with the Lord. Do you find yourself burnt out? Do you find yourself almost to the end of, you know what, this is the last straw. Listen, Jesus says, come to me and I will give you what? I will give you rest. Man, we burn ourselves so often. We, we continue in life. And I've done this so many times, being involved in ministry. Go, 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 go. Even in the, in the business world, you just want to go to your job, go do this. And even as a mother, you just, you're just so constantly, frantically trying to get these things done. And yet we injure ourselves spiritually. And yet Jesus says, hey, come to me. I'll give you rest. The Bible tells us, uh, you know, God created. He rested on the seventh day we should as believers continue to rest physically and spiritually and i guarantee if you have these four pillars in your life listen to this you'll make it i encourage you you know what be disciplined in all areas of your life occupy all streets i guarantee you'll make it jeremiah 3 verse 14 return O backsliding children says the lord for i am married to you I will take you from one city and two from a family and I will bring you to Zion. Listen, if you're backslidden and you're listening, God is married to you and is so ever deeply in love with you. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just a little taste of Egypt. We need God, amen. We need God to help us continue to Go to the promised land of our own lives. But we must not allow the desires of our flesh call us back to Egypt, back to the world. Maybe you're listening this morning and you are backslidden in your heart. 